0: Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. I want to talk to you uh, under the title of The Law of Faith. But I want to start again in Hebrews chapter four and verse two, which simply says, indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word that they heard did not profit or bless them. So you can read your Bible a hundred times. And if you don't do what the rest of this verse says, it will not bless you. It will not profit you. It will not make a difference in your life. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. The only way that the Bible The gospel, what Jesus did for you and me in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension is going to bless you, is going to change your life, is going to profit you Is if what you hear is mixed with faith in the one who heard it. And and literally, you, you need to believe for you, right? And so the gospel will work for you. Now, we know there's natural laws. Right? Well, like laws of electricity, I don't know much about it. All I know about electricity is you hit the switch and the light goes on. You might know a whole lot more, but that's about all that I know. But I know that there are natural laws that cause electricity to work. And for me to receive a benefit, I just throw a switch. There's spiritual laws just like there's natural laws. We've got the natural law of gravity. If I have a pencil and I let go of it, how many times out of a hundred will it fall? You are absolutely right. It's a natural law. It works every single time. Gravity will pull whatever you release down. Now I want you to listen to a spiritual law. Where is boasting then? This is Romans 3. It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of of faith, the law of faith. Just like gravity is a law and works every time, faith is a law. It's a spiritual law and it works every time. Now in Hebrews eleven six, it says without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God. You cannot connect with God. You cannot receive anything from God except by faith you can cry a puddle of tears big enough to fill an ocean and that will not move God. But faith will move God. Faith will move God. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him, to receive from him, to connect with him. In fact, Jesus made this statement. He said, when the son of man returns, now how many of you know Jesus is coming back? All right, he said, will he find faith in the earth? You know what God's looking for? God is looking for faith. And God will pass over 10,000 people to find one with faith. So there's this spiritual law, faith. Now, let me just say this, I, I think this, this helped me, so I hope it'll help you. Faith is our response to what God has done or God has promised, right? Faith is God initiated. In other words, God says something and faith is when you believe what he said and say and act accordingly. Now, one of the things that we've been talking about, about how to mix faith with the gospel, is we've been talking about what you say. We've been talking about your words. In Proverbs 18, it says a man's st- stomach will be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. And remember in Isaiah 57, God said, I produce or create the fruit of the lips, the fruit of the mouth. From the produce of his lips, he will be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that eat it, or excuse me, that love it will eat its fruit. Now the spiritual realm is controlled by words that are spoken in faith. The Amplified translation says, death in life or in the power of the tongue, those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. Bear the consequences of their words. How many have ever had somebody say, you're gonna eat your words? Huh? Well, the Bible is telling you that you are gonna eat your words. The Bible says you're going to bear the consequences of your words. Now, your words can bring blessing or curse. Your words can bring life and they can bring death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So words are spiritual. Words carry faith. And when that faith is in those words that are spoken, it produces. It's the law of faith. James now, James is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And, and one thing about pastors is they are like practical, all right? Because they live with people every single day. We say this about evangelists and I love evangelists, all right? But they blow in, they blow up and they blow out, all right? And, and they, don't have to, they don't have to like live with what they said. All right, in fact, well, nothing, nothing in recent years, but I remember in years past, uh, they, they'd blow in, they'd blow up and I'd have to clean up, all right? But James, he's a pastor. He's a pastor at Jerusalem and he's practical. So he's talking to the people and he says, for all of us do many things wrong, but if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control the whole body. And as he talks about the tongue, in verse four, he says, look also at ships, although they're large, driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So he's saying, no matter how fierce the storm, it's not the storm that decides where you go. Your confession will control your life no matter what the storm is. What you say with your mouth, your tongue. I thought it was interesting. I was reading today in Matthew chapter 15, where it Jesus is saying, it's not what goes into you that defiles you. He says, but it's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Now, the Pharisees were all concerned about what went in. They said, no, you got to eat the right food and it's got to be prepared the right way. And it's got to be cooked in the right vessels or right utensils have to be used. Everything has to be right. And that, if you don't eat the right stuff the right way, Cooked the proper way, well, then it contaminates you. Jesus said, no, it's not what's going in. It's what's coming out. It's the fear. It's the doubt, the unbelief, right? It's that that defeatist mentality. He said, those are the things that are contaminating you. So he says in verse 10, out of the same mouth, proceed blessing and cursing. He says, my brethren, these things ought not be so. So he's saying, basically, he says, you're double-tongued. He said, one one, one minute you're praising God, but then the next minute you're going, you know, I'm never going to be able to get free from this addiction. I'm never going to be delivered. I'll never get my house paid off. I'll never prosper. I'll never. He's saying, you know, one minute, you've got the right thing coming out of your mouth, but the next minute you've got the wrong thing coming out of your mouth. He said, blessing and cursing, life and death, should not be coming out of the same mouth. In fact, he compares it to a spring. He said the same spring shouldn't be putting out fresh water and salt water. And he said, and what's coming out of your mouth should not be the same way. There shouldn't be cursing and blessing. There shouldn't be life and death. He said it should be consistent. In fact, in Mark 11, verse 23, as Jesus is talking about faith, he says, verily I say to you that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he saith will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. Again, that last word, Jesus said, he'll have what you say or saith. It's the word Lego, what you consistently say, tell, or declare. Here's what I want to say. In consistency lies the power. It's in consistency that the power of life. James is telling us, he said, don't have your tongue saying blessing and then cursing, life and then death. Jesus is saying the same thing. Jesus is saying it's what you consistently say, tell, declare. He said that you believe in your heart, all right, because the law of faith is you've got to believe it and then you've got to speak it. Now, we've got a great example of this in Romans, the fourth chapter. The Bible actually tells us to imitate the faith of those who through faith and patience have received the promises, right? And of course, Abraham, the father of our faith. And the Bible gives us Abraham as an example. So it says in Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls things that be not as though they were." Now, at this point, Abraham and Sarah have no children at all, right? And they've been trying, but she seems to be be, be infertile, nothing, there's no children coming out of, their, out of their, their, their union. And God comes to him and says, "'I have made you the father of many nations.'" And how many kids does he have? Zero. Zero. But God says it's a done deal. All right? Now this, and then it goes on and says that God calls things that be not as though they, they were. I mean, God it's not even there yet and God calls it done. All right? Now, here's what's interesting. God has Abraham do the exact same thing. All right? God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And Abraham, meaning the father of a multitude or the father of nations. And how many kids does he have? He goes to the market the next morning and they say, Hey, come on over here, prince. And he says, No, 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 no. My name is the father of a multitude. And they say, Well, how many kids you have? He says, Well, none. He says, How old are you? 90. And they're like, All right. But what is he doing? He is saying what God said about him and he's calling things that be not as though they were. He's calling, now now get this, he's calling things. We have a dog named Tucker. I like my dog, all right? We used to have a cat, it died. I don't know where it went, wherever cats go. Right. But I didn't like that cat because, because I have this yard lawn tractor and it would climb on my tractor with its claws and scratch up my tractor. And I, I really did not like that cat, right? So I would go out in the garage and there's the cat, right? But I don't like the cat, but I like the dog. So this is what I do. I go, Tucker! Tucker! Now, Tucker's on the other side of the house. I cannot see Tucker. But Tucker hears me and comes. Right? Now, when I went in the garage, I didn't go, oh, cat. Because I didn't want a cat. I wanted a dog. And when I called the dog, the dog came. Right? Now, look, God tells you and I to do what he does. Call things that be not as though they were. When you speak them, you're calling them. You are saying, come on in from the spiritual realm into the natural realm, right? Jesus said, you will have whatsoever you say if you believe it in your heart and you consistently say it with your mouth. He said, if you Lego that thing, if you consistently say, tell, declare that thing. Again, the power is in the consistency. Abraham believed it. What God said, I've made you the father of many nations. And he said it. I'm the father of a multitude. He said it. And what happened? It came to pass. See, we need to speak what God says about us in his word. In Romans 4, the 20th verse. He did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God. Listen, but he grew strong. He grew strong. I was talking about his faith. He grew strong in faith. Now he didn't start out strong in faith. He grew strong in faith and empowered by faith, giving glory to God. I was reading the ESV this week. Listen, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. So he grew, his faith grew strong as or while he's giving glory to God. He's saying, God, I thank you that you have made me the father of nations. I thank you that I'm going to have a son with Sarah. He thanked God. And as he thanked God, before he saw the answer, the Bible says he grew strong in faith. Right. Now, our problem is we want to see it all, and then we want to say thank you. But that's not how it works. Right? How does it work? God makes the promise. And once he makes the promise, we believe it, we thank him for it. All right? No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Now, God's promise to him was look, I'm going to make you the father of a multitude, a mother of nations, and to your descendants, I'm giving this land. But God's given you and I promises. In the book of Peter, they're called exceedingly great and precious promises. In 1 Corinthians 20, it says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And that's where you are. You are in Christ. So as or while he's giving praise, he's thanking God for the answer, his faith grows stronger. Right? He didn't praise God because he had strong faith it's while he praises God, his faith grew. It became strong. Verse 21, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. So he believed that God was able and mighty and that God would do would God promise? By the way, Jeremiah, he didn't have Jeremiah to listen to. Jeremiah said God watches over his word to perform it. In Psalms 138, it says you've magnified your word above all your name. In other words, God, you are watching over your word and you're going to complete your word. And if you don't complete your word, you're not even God. You're not who you say that you are. He was fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. So we need to begin to thank God. Now, as they're building, I talked about this several weeks ago, as they were building the temple, the Bible says they laid the foundation. And when they laid the foundation, they shouted a shout of praise and thanksgiving to God. right? And it was heard afar off. What we want to do is we want to wait until the foundation's laid, until the walls are up, the roof is on, and you got an occupancy permit, and you've been there for six months. Right? But the Bible said when they just had the foundation, they just saw a little bit of victory, they just saw a little bit of relief, a little bit of deliverance, a little bit of what God had promised, and they recognize God has started and what He started He will complete. And they begin to thank God immediately. You may need to start thanking God for deliverance, for victory, for provision, for peace, for joy. You need to thank him that you're a joint heir with Christ. We need to begin to thank him not when we've got everything, but because he has promised. In Philippians 4 and verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, When you're praying, you believe you receive and thank God, it says, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Now, what are you thanking God for? You're thanking him, number one, for what you already have. Now, listen, if you are not thankful for what you have, you will not be happy with what you get. If you are not thankful for for your 10-year-old car, you are not gonna be thankful when you get a new car. And if you're not thankful for your apartment, you won't be thankful when you get a house. Right. Right? So we start, we're thankful for what we've got, but then we're thankful that God has heard our prayer. Right? In Philemon verse one, it says, excuse me, chapter one in verse six, that the communication of your faith may become effectual. Now, how many want your faith to become effectual? To produce Right? It says, by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. This is one of the places that so often today we miss it as Christians. Right? Now the Bible says that your faith will become effectual. It will produce. Right? It will bring blessing into your life when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Right? That you've been made a joint heir with Christ, that he always leads you in triumph in Christ, that he's given you authority over the enemy. He said, behold, I give you authority over serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you, that he's given you peace that he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, all right? That you've been set free from fear. We need to begin to acknowledge what we have in Christ. Look, it says every good thing, every good thing. There's forgiveness, he forgives all your iniquities. There's healing, he heals all of our diseases. There's deliverance, he redeems your life from destruction crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He renews your youth like the eagles. I mean, we need to begin to thank him because it's when you begin to thank him that your faith becomes effectual that you begin to receive what God has for you, right? Now, how many of you know there's nothing more powerful than God's word? You're wrong. I'm gonna talk to you in just a minute. (laughs) I tricked you, didn't I? I tricked you. I thought I'd get your attention. Now, it does say Hebrews 4, verse 12, the word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. But listen, Jesus said this, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things enters in and choke the word. Do you realize the word of God will not produce if it's choked and it becomes unfruitful? Now, here's what Jesus is telling us. He's saying for God's word to work in your life, your relationship with God needs to be number one in your life, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then he says, all these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying that if you get your priorities wrong and your priorities begin to be the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, you listen to money. And money tells you you need more because if you just have some more money, you'll be somebody. You won't hurt anymore if you just have more money. Money will make you important. And it's a lie. It's a lie. And then he goes on. He says, and the desire for other things. You just let anything become more important to you than your relationship with God. And it chokes the word. It chokes the word of God. So what do we do with all those cares? The Bible says to cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. But we focus on a relationship with God. We focus on God's word. Hebrews 10, let us seize and hold tightly the confession, what we've been saying, of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable, trustworthy, and faithful to his word. God is watching over his word to perform it. Verse 35: Do not therefore fling away your confidence, for it has a glorious and great reward. For you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full, what is promised. It's saying there's going to be opposition. There's gonna be circumstances, mountains, there's gonna be lingering symptoms, there's gonna be giants, but we need to focus on the word of God. The Bible says about Abraham, he did not consider his body. Now, he was old and the Bible says that, 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 that his body just wasn't functioning. It, it was not gonna produce a child. Right? But he didn't focus on that. He knew that to be the, 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 the reality in the natural. But what he focused on is he focused on what God had said. And he believed that God was faithful, that God was trustworthy, that he was reliable, and that what God had said, God would do. And we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. You need to see yourself victorious, forgiven, with joy with peace you need to see yourself healed and delivered you need to see yourself with ample supply to meet your needs now jesus told us again how this works now in verse mark 11 verse 24 he's talking again about prayer and about faith he said therefore i say to you what things soever you desire when you pray believe you receive them and you will or shall have them. So I want you to picture this as a timeline, all right? This is where we're gonna pray, all right? And this is where the answer is gonna come, all right? Now, Jesus said that when you pray, you believe that you receive them. When you pray. But what we normally do is we pray, And then we check our body. We check our desires. We check our checkbook. We check, we're looking around and we go, it didn't work. I prayed and it didn't work. But Jesus said, when you pray, you believe that you receive them. So when you pray, you believe God said yes. All the promises of God are yes yes and Amen. amen. All right, I want you to picture it like this. Picture a, 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 a somebody, a father, and their son coming up to him and say, Dad, can I have a bicycle for Christmas? All right, it's, it's the first of October. And he says, I want a bicycle, I want a bicycle for Christmas. Can I have a bicycle for Christmas? His dad says, yes. All right. So October 2, the kid comes back. Can I have a bicycle? Can I have a bicycle? Can I have a bicycle? Dad says, yes, I told you yesterday. Third, kid comes back. Dad, can I have a bicycle? Can I have a bicycle? Can I have a bicycle? Please, can I have a bicycle? Dad says, I told you two days ago. On the fourth, he comes back. Dad, can I have a bicycle? Get! I have a bicycle? Get! I have a bicycle? You think there's something wrong with that kid or with his dad. Something is wrong someplace. All right. Either the dad is not reliable or the kid is messed up. All right. Because the dad said yes. Right. When you pray, you believe that you receive. God said Yes, and then you shall have them. Now, it said over here in Hebrews that in between when you pray and you shall have them, it says you may go through some stuff. It says you have need of patience, right? So that after you've gone through that difficulty, you will receive the promise. You received the promise, right. Now, let me, just, let me just close with this. Jesus has risen from the dead. He appears to 10 of his disciples, but Thomas isn't there. So the disciples tell Thomas, they said, we saw Jesus, he's alive. And Thomas said, I will not believe unless I can put my finger in the holes in his hand. And I can put my hand in the hole in his side. Unless I can do that, I will not believe. Ten days later, they're all together. Jesus appears. Thomas is there. And Jesus said to Thomas, come here and put your finger in the hole in my hand. And put your fist in my side where the spear went. Don't be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He said, I believe. And Jesus said, you believe because you've seen. He said, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Bible faith is not the faith that sees it and then believes it. Bible faith is the faith that believes it and then you see it. Because Jesus said, when you pray, you believe you receive. And if you believe you receive and you do not waver and you have patience and endurance, the Bible says you will receive what was promised. All right, would you please bow your heads for just a moment. So often what we find today in in our culture, because this is what our culture says. It says, good people go to heaven. Now nobody moving unless it's absolutely necessary, But this is what the Bible says. It says, forgiven people go to heaven. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in the same way, but everybody needs to meet the same requirements. So Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He's saying that all of my efforts and all of your efforts will never make us right with God. He said, there is one way to be forgiven, one way to be right with God. And Jesus said, that is through me. So he said, you must be born again. This is the way. You say, what does that mean? It means to give Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. And Jesus will not steal your heart and life or manipulate it away from you. If you have not consciously given Jesus all your heart and life, you still have it. And sometimes we think, well, I know about God. But salvation is not about your head. Salvation is about your heart. It's about giving Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. It is a choice. And Jesus said, it is the only way to salvation, the only way to God, the only way to forgiveness, the only way to peace. If you're here, you're not right with God, I'm gonna count to three. When I say three, I want you to lift your hand and we're gonna pray together. God is gonna meet you today in this place when we say amen you're going to be forgiven you're going to be right with God you're going to be on your way to heaven as you lift your hand the first thing that you're saying to God is this you're saying I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior and I'm coming to Jesus today to be saved to be forgiven one as you lift your hand you're saying God I'm not going to live for myself any longer I see the direction I'm going where it's going and I want to come today and give Jesus all my heart and life, and I'm gonna live for him every day. Two, get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying today, I'm receiving Jesus by faith. He is gonna come into my heart. He's gonna blood wash me from my sin. He's gonna make me a new person on the inside. I'm gonna be forgiven right with God on my way to heaven. Three, lift that hand up. Pray with me, pray with me, I'm not right. I see that hand and that hand. Are there others? Just lift them high. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Up in the balcony, pray with me, Pastor. I'm not right. I'm not right. I wanna get right today. All right. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand, please. Now, if you lifted your hand, or you even should have, and you didn't, please look right at me. Would you move right now to the aisle that's nearest you, wherever that is, make your way right down here. I'm coming down here, but God is going to meet you right here. We're gonna pray, and in just a moment, we're gonna say amen. And when we say amen, your past will be gone. You are gonna be right with God. He's gonna make you new. Jesus said, confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. If you're in the balcony and you make your way, we'll wait, we'll wait for you. Come on down. This is your day. Most important decision ever made. Changing eternities. Awesome. Come right over here, would you guys? Romans 10, verse 13. I want you to listen. This is God's promise. Whosoever, you, 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 this is going to work. We'll call on the name of the Lord. We're going to call on His name, right? And this is His promise. We'll be saved. When we say Amen, you're gonna be forgiven. You're gonna be right with God. He's gonna make you new on the inside. All right, you ready? All right, everybody take one hand, put it over your heart, and please lift your other hand towards heaven where our help comes from, and let's pray. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe His blood paid for my sins. I believe He rose again. I give Him all of my heart In all of my life, I'm gonna live for Jesus every day. He is my King. I thank you for blood washing me from my sin, that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that I am your child, a part of your family, today and forever, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616 534 4923 or visit us at reslife.org.